Welcome to Accelerate OC, the only show focused on the people leading innovation in Orange County. Join our host, Carrie Ransom, and his conversations with the trendsetters, entrepreneurs, investors, and leaders here, because it's time to Accelerate OC. Good morning. Welcome to Accelerate OC. I'm Carrie Ransom, and thanks always to our engineer, Paul, for making me and my guests sound so good. Today's episode is sponsored by OC4 Venture Studio, uh, my new home, and uh, a tech startup company building platform and community that we are building here in Southern California. So if you are looking for help with your startup or you're looking for opportunities for the next generation of really high growth companies other than Marianne's, who we'll talk about here in a moment, uh, or you want to be part of the Orange County startup community, uh, you can go to OC4V.com and learn more. I am really excited to have one of the current high-flying startups here in Orange County, uh, co-founder, CEO, uh, Marianne Rafugarin here with me on Accelerate OC today. And before we get to hear from her, let me tell you a little bit more about her and uh, Movandi. So Marianne is the founder, the co-CEO and COO of Movandi Corporation, and they are a relatively new company, only a few years old, that is focused with a mission to revolutionize 5G everywhere. And they have raised uh, over $50 million so far on that journey, including um, a little over 25, I think it was 27 million that they closed during the pandemic back in April, which is uh, a rare feat. And, and we'll talk a little bit about that. They are using a very different approach uh, that they think is yielding way better improvements in performance and coverage and latency through 5G. And they're also taking a very broad approach to the portfolio of devices and, and the system stack. And they believe that's going to drive much greater efficiency across a wide range of deployments. So we'll talk more about that today as well. And they're really committed to what the broad economic benefits are that a 5G-enabled world will create. And so I think we'll talk, particularly in this environment, with uh, a diversity, equity, inclusion momentum that we haven't seen uh, ever before, how 5G actually can enable that uh, in new ways. Earlier in her career, she was also a founder, a board member, and executive of a company called Innovant Systems, which was acquired by Broadcom. And she then spent several years at Broadcom in senior executive roles before she left to start Movandi a few years ago. She has multiple engineering degrees from UCLA. Always great to connect with fellow Bruin. Go Bruins. And Miriam, it is great to have you here on Accelerate OC today. Thank you. It's very nice to be here with you. Yes. Thanks for joining. And uh, unfortunately, we couldn't do it in person. We're, uh, we're on Zoom, as has been the case these days but I think we can still have a great conversation for uh, for the audience. So you've had an amazing career, as I kind of briefly introduced, from Innovent to Broadcom to now Movandi, and you're right at the forefront of the 5G revolution. So can you introduce the audience a little bit to the profound changes that we should expect and that you're looking to enable with 5G? Sure. Um, so, uh, for, you know, if you're familiar with the evolution of cellular networks, uh, 2G basically enabled text messaging. And then you know, 
then came 3G, which enabled surfing the internet from cellular phones, and 4G brought the streaming video, right? 5G is actually, it can do a lot more, and it promises to offer data rates that are 100 times faster than 4G, can enable applications such as the smart home, self-driving cars, and future mobile cloud-based services, and connect an exponentially increasing number of wireless devices for the Internet of Things and make that a reality. You know, it's not only about speed, by the way. Uh, one of the key factors in 5G is the low latency. Mm-hmm. And latency is basically, for those who don't know, is the response time between when you click, for example, on a link or start your streaming um, a video on your phone, and then it, uh, it basically sends a request up to the network. And, and when the network responds back, delivering you the website or playing your video. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the- current network with the LTE and 4G, it takes about 20 milliseconds, which, you know, it may not sound like too much, but 5G can do it in one millisecond, which is about almost the time it takes for a flash uh, on the on a normal camera, right? The, this responsiveness is critical for things like playing an uh, intense video game, for example, in virtual reality, or for a surgeon who's in, let's say, in LA and performing, trying to do a uh, surgery in a different city, because you know it has to be very spontaneous. It's like, you know, you can imagine many of these applications we're talking about uh, require instantaneous and uh, very, very quick responses, uh, whether it's emergency applications or like surgery or some of these uh, video games. And it's like, you know, at the end of the day, it's 5G should and can enable things to be done without brain being involved, right? Your brain does things really, really quickly, instantly. So 5G coming to all these robotics and 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 uh, all these kind of devices should and could uh, basically make these applications possible that right now you cannot even uh, imagine. Or some of them are, for example, like uh, you know, again, self-driving cars, because uh, now they, it's a very quick response and uh, very very high data rate. With all these cameras, you have like terabytes of data that yeah. could communicate it quickly between the cars or, for example, to the traffic light. And then uh, right there, things are a lot more complicated. Uh, and, and you know, the, the, the wavelength is so short that you cannot go through window or you cannot uh, basically get blocked by the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where Movani comes into play. And what we're trying to do is basically Uh, We're trying to address some of the fundamental challenges of physics here and trying to find ways, uh, and that's what we've done. We actually have built systems that can enable and make sure that you do get coverage and you don't get the block, basically. If you get get blocked by a building, you can go around it and make sure you you don't get limited to only 100 meter kind of range. Uh, So we're really playing a big uh, role in these applications. Okay. That's great. Great introduction and jumping off point. Thank you for, for that. So mm-hmm. as devices and repeaters and, and an infrastructure that just gets overlaid to make sure that that is consistent and happens, or, or how should we expect to, to see this 
Look. So I mean, one of the again one of the main challenges that everyone has been talking about is that 5G is going to be very expensive, especially if you go to millimeter base because sure. of the short because of this coverage issue, right? And sure. if you can go beyond 100 meter, so uh, if you wanted the way that in the past they have done it with 4G, even though 4G has more coverage, but they still need to extend their range. The way they've done it in the past is adding small cells, right? So mm-hmm. you have you have the base station, and then you have small cells, and then you also have femtocells and stuff that come to your home. But but in 5G, if you want to go that route, that means that in every almost 100 meter or 200 meter, you have to have one of these small cells, which, by the way, they all require fiber backbone still. So you have to bring fiber to them. Mm-hmm. And it, it requires the whole kind of system, which includes the modem and the front end and so the cost of this thing could because you need a large number of this thing in one mm-hmm. area to mm-hmm. be able to basically support the coverage. Um, so that's not the way to go, and that's what we have basically uh, we've been trying to address with our active relay and repeater, where these you know these small kind of system devices that don't even require the whole modem baseband, they don't require require fiber. All you can put it on a pole. Uh, and then you can connect to the base station and get the signal from base station and make sure that you get your signal inside the building. So it amplifies it, you can redirect it smart, but at the same time, it doesn't have the overhead of, uh, of what small cells have. So it'll be a lot cheaper. You can have many of them because they're small, they're low cost, they're light. Yeah. Uh, it's easy to install them and it won't add a huge, you know, it reduces the capex, uh, and and OPEX for the for the operators. So you could see, uh, let's say a base station, uh, let's say 500 meter, one kilometer, and many of these repeaters uh, with some small cells again. But it will basically, yeah, it will be base station repeaters, a few maybe uh, one or two small cells, and and this is pretty much what it. And then UEs, you know, the devices that connect them. Uh, it could be smartphones. It could be. Um, CPE inside the home. So that's how at the end of the day, they it will look like, and all this can t- talk to each other's uh, with mesh networking. So where do you see given that? Because it's, it's fascinating. I mean, when, you know, when I travel or even just, you know, around an area like Orange County, there are times where I feel mm-hmm. like I may still be on 2G and certainly yep. vacillate between four and, uh, 4G and LTE or something like that. So as you think about sort of consistency and quality assurance for a critical path application like autonomy or something, where, where it seems like we're a ways out from having the, the confidence that that's kind of always on. Am I, am I uh, right in that regard? Oh. I'm, I'm curious, like how you think about the the rollout. Who's going to really adopt this early? Who, you know, where where do you feel like we are on the path of really having ubiquitous five G? Well, I mean, we are definitely early on this path. Sure. There's no question about it. I mean, look at it. You just said that even four G, three G, two G. I mean, I, there are many areas in airline when I'm driving or I'm, I still don't have connection, right? And that's, that's right. because that's right. <laughs> so it's fair to say that uh, okay, it's you know, it's not that we're even today we have very good coverage and with five G, I'm not you know, I, I can't tell you that today we're gonna you're gonna go out there and the operators or. Uh, or the networking companies are going to have this rolled out everywhere. It's going to take time. There's no sure, question of about course, it. Right? Of course. 
I, but but look at it. I think the benefits that it's it's going to bring, uh, if someone and companies can actually come up with innovating innovative solutions to make sure that this get extended, and it doesn't have to be everywhere today either. Mm-hmm. But That's right. gradually, it gets rolled out. I think the very initial application right now that uh, is actually rolling out is the fixed wireless access, where we mm-hmm. actually. Uh, trying to replace fiber because you know especially in some areas you can't even get fiber to sure, homes or sure, very expensive. Sure. but but immediately after that for example these relays that we're actually putting inside the houses they don't only uh, they don't only uh, make the fixed wireless available you can you can be anywhere in the you basically can extend the coverage inside the room and a big area so your devices your mobile devices can get your computer your phone can get access to 5g mm-hmm. um, and, and again as long as you can make these devices low cost enough and self-install meaning that you know they don't have to send someone especially in the commercial and you know sure, consumer sure, application. Sure. Then it will easily can get adopted, but but yeah, it's going to take time, and uh, you know all this autonomous what I was talking about, you know everything being managed, trafficking. I mean, those are going to take some time because it's not just uh, deployment; it's also it has to go to all these cars, and you know there has to be everything coordinated. Um, but eventually, it will happen, and 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 it'll be great when it's happened because uh, it makes you know it really makes a lot of sense and improves the lives. Sure. Well, that's a great, you know, great segue. So the, the, you know, the next thing I'd love to understand, we have a lot of entrepreneurs in our audience. And so if I'm trying to think about what might be possible now because of 5G that hasn't historically been, you talked about a lot of the, the potential with low latency and speed. Mm-hmm. And so if, if I'm trying to think about new applications or, or new uh, capabilities, what what are the best ways that you would suggest entrepreneurs learn about or sort of open their imagination to what now might be possible? Are there are there good lab environments? Are there are there places for them to to experiment to to really think about the the platforms they could build upon, like Novandi or others? That's actually a good question because um, you know I've seen and uh, I've, I actually not that I actually have done it, but I have seen uh, these operators opening some labs uh, mm-hmm. specifically for this. Uh, I know Verizon has done it; okay. they have in different cities. Um, I don't know exactly who these are open to. Whether it has to be, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure. If it's open to individuals as individuals, but I'm sure, sure for innovative start kind of startup companies who have thought of applications that basically can leverage 5G. And you know, these applications are mainly the things that are uh, time critical, like sensitive sure. uh, delay and and very high throughput. For example, you know, uh, VR and AR sure. and sure. gaming, etc. That's just one application, but anyone who, but but I know for a fact that uh, you know again operators are trying to make sure that this basically uh, get more le- more adopted and, and they can actually uh, make this whole ecosystem work. So they they have set up labs and and they're encouraging startups who have innovative ideas to go there and and build applications. I, I actually think I've seen that they had some sort of award or. 
Mm. Uh, funding for for them too. Um, it was a year ago or something. I don't know whether it's continued, but that's something they've been trying to do. Uh, so anything, any application, whether it's gaming or anything that's time sensitive and deals with a lot of uh, you know a huge uh, amount of mm -hmm. data, and uh, you know someone can think of and it's interesting and they think they can actually uh, sell and make money out of. They should definitely try to see if they can. Uh, they they can do it and basically get access to these maps. Sure. Well, maybe I'm just going to think out loud here. Maybe there's an opportunity for us in our venture studio to uh, install, be an early install of of Mavandi to have 5G available, so people could almost build and and test in in an environment like a. Uh, right. Yeah. Well, as soon as as soon as there is, uh, because you know, again, this is early on, in this, so sure. they they don't have uh, they don't have the GNOD or base stations everywhere. I don't. Mm -hmm. I know, for example, in the, in Irvine on the Verizon campus, which is very close to us, on that building, sure. they have a few. Uh, but uh, but they're rolling out more, and as they get more and more, then. Uh, yeah, I mean, we can use one of our devices to make sure the signal comes in and then, you know, people can uh, build the application, it's just not like that. Very good, very good. Well, let's uh, let's go under the hood a little bit. So uh, you, I, I mentioned in the intro, you know, you, you sold a company to Broadcom pretty early in your career and then spent quite a few years at Broadcom, had a great career at Broadcom. What was it that told you, you know what, it's time to start another company? Okay, so basically wanting to do something new and exciting again and mm -hmm. address a new challenge. So basically, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, with technology and stuff, but in the past, before um, basically we did our, our work at UCLA in early 90s, um, radios were very expensive and they had sure. to be built in exotic processes and and digital, the modem was in different low-cost digital CMOS process, and no one really at that point imagined that you could actually make the radio, which is a high-performing radio, on the same low-cost substrate as digital. Uh, so we basically uh, we proved and showed that uh, you know it's it was difficult, but basically it was doable. So we put the radio with digital on the substrate that's low-cost and. So we made it more integrated, right? Uh, because initially all this, you know, even if there was Wi-Fi, it was so big that no one could imagine something yeah. would go into your cell phone. Mm -hmm. So uh, so what we did basically, we proved that's doable, that was very exciting, challenging, and then we took it to the next step where we actually started our company and did the first Bluetooth, again, integrating everything together, make a tiny chip. And the Wi-Fi ensured that, you know, this can basically be low cost enough, low power enough, and so tiny that can go into cell phones. So we got bought by Broadcom, and in Broadcom, we continued uh, bringing, you know, more technologies. And, and you know, at that point, we said, okay, we're done with the challenges before. Now we want to go further and make sure that you know, we open even more areas in the cell phone for other standards, bringing GPS and everything into it. So. So we started putting all this thing, bringing Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, GPS, all into one chip now, putting them on one silicon. Mm -hmm. So we kept doing that, and then we went on and did the 60 gigahertz, which is uh, in being used in Telegraph um, uh, mesh network by Facebook today. And then we we, uh, we did uh, 4G and LTE. We did 8x8, some Wi-Fi, MIMO, etc. But 
you know, at the end of the day, I think we did, we pretty much felt like we, we've done enough. We enabled mm. the connectivity, you know, our chips are in 95% sure. market share. And, yeah, pretty good market so, share. Yeah, so, and then we felt like, okay, now we really want to make sure we can get the gigabit reliable wireless and uh, and none of these standards are the ones that are going to get it there. No matter how much you do more with Wi-Fi, make it eight by eight. So there's limitations to that. And so we wanted to come out and basically enable the next generation of wireless and get to where we could, you know, eventually replace it in fiber in some applications, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and after a while acquisition, it pretty much uh, was the time that instead of, hey, you know, we've, um, we've been here for 16 years, we've, mm-hmm. uh, we've you know, we've enabled wireless and Broadcom, and, and it's time to go on and do something new that, you know, again, uh, it's exciting and interesting, and that's what we did. Sure. Well, well thank you for sharing. So, and I, I mean, I, I, I sort of was, you know, illustrating, you said, you know, 16 years at Broadcom. So... What's the biggest difference starting a company this time versus when you started an event? I mean, the main, main difference is that now I'm, I'm a lot more experienced. Sure. <laughs> so, you know, when we started sure. our first company, was uh, even though we had worked with some startups, either as consultant or uh, even full-time for sure. So we had some visibility. We, have, uh, we had gained some kind of uh, experience, but nowhere to the level that I have that today, where mm-hmm. uh, we actually have built a whole business going, you know, enabling it from zero three billion dollar revenue per year and, and shipping billions of devices. You know, sure. there is a big difference between uh, when you just develop a technology or you actually have developed it and you're, you have to ship it and make sure that it works and it's reliable mm-hmm. and so so that whole process, uh, in addition to the fact that, uh, you know, so it's the operational experience that I've gained as well as also interacting with customers, you know, the connections that I had built and, uh, and at the end of the day, the whole credibility that we have. Built. So it, 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 it's very different, but, uh, but at the same time, I've learned a lot of stuff uh, as, you know, for a startup kind of point of view, because uh, at Broadcom, we also looked at the startups that we were acquiring or doing due diligence. Mm-hmm. Right? I've seen many different kind of, you know, I, I basically have gone, I've gone from startup to big company and then looking at startups from the other side of the mm-hmm. table. And and, uh, and there are a few things that I think I've learned. Um, I think, you know, one of the uh, important things is uh, basically you you if you're starting a company you have to basically know what you're building and you need to make sure you've mm-hmm. done enough before starting it you've done enough kind of research to make sure that what you're bringing to the table is not just a me too kind of product it's uh, it actually has it offers differentiation it's enabling uh, and something unique to the picture and and you don't want to get into building something that later you realize okay you know, there are so many other companies who are doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, so you spend your time, do your research, find out what you're doing, and then you plan. Basically, um, once you actually have, you, you know what you're doing and that's the right thing to do, then you plan, meaning that uh, you have a roadmap that includes you have to know how much money, you know, how long mm-hmm. you think it's going to take to get to, to revenue. 
you need to be able to basically, um, you're hiring. Again, you always go, you know, in many cases, just go try to hire the best and smartest people. Uh, but at the same time, that's not the only thing, right? I mean, these people have to be able to uh, to work together. It's very important if they're team players or not. So sure. it really has, you really have to make sure you're hiring the right people. And um, and then who your investors are. Um, and, uh, you know, your investors have to be the ones that are, no matter what, so they're going to be ups and down and they're going to be, they, they have to share your vision and they have to be, uh, looking at it longer term and stay with you um, instead of just, you know, I'm in it to make quick money and get out sure. of it. Uh, sure. Very instructive. That was that was great advice for other founders. I thank you for sharing that. I think that that's incredibly powerful. So you started Mavandi. I think a lot of folks aren't aren't uh, don't know this. You started Mavandi with your brother Reza, and you also started your first company together and then worked together uh, at Broadcom. So I, I grew up in a family business, multi-generational family business. Please you know, share your experience of working with your, your family for such a significant part of your career. Um, I mean, that's, you know, again, one of the important things also when you have a company is uh, having the right partner. And I think, you know, the fact mm-hmm. that you know, see, since I came to the U.S., I was only, what, 17 years old, right? Uh, my brother was here five years before me, and okay. he's, he's older, so he had started. He had gone through the university. So I came here, and he took me to the, and, you know, again, I, I loved math and physics, but I was not necessarily, I didn't know exactly whether I was going to go engineering, or, because back in my country, you know, it's not like you get too much exposure to any of this, right? I came here, he took me to the lab, engineering lab at UCLA, where he was uh, doing basically his uh, uh, PhD and research. And, and when I went there, I basically got interested. And I realized that, you know, whatever I like about math and physics, these are the application of it. And, and I got really interested in that field. And, mm. and then I, I, you know, I studied it at UCLA. I was doing research there. We actually worked together on that research that uh, I just mentioned, the radio, uh, where, you know, he, he basically led the whole full transceiver. I was working on part of it, too. So we, we've been working together since UCLA time. Mm. And, and then we started the company together and at Broadcom has been, you know, it's, it's always, it's been always good because it's been very encouraging. And so for, especially me being as a, at that time, probably the only woman at, in that mm-hmm. engineering mm-hmm. lab. <laughs> and, uh, and he, he, he was always proud that, you know, his sister is also in that same field. So, so it's been, it's, it's been really good. And then, you know, we've been working together. He's been more focused on uh, technology aspect of it, uh, especially going forward. And I've been uh, more doing the prod, you know, involved with the product and business side of it. So, so it's worked really well. And we've been, you know, I'm, uh, I'm really happy that we've worked together. And uh, by the way, my sister is also in engineering too. So. Oh, very cool. Okay. Yeah. That's great. It's the family business. I love it. I love yeah. it. Well, well, thank you for sharing that. Uh, because as obviously you hear out there different stories about um, the positives and, and negatives of, of working with family, right? But that's, that's right. a great, uh, great story. So thank you for, for sharing. Mm-hmm. So Mariam, we were talking a little bit about this off the air. You know, I started this show really to 
uh, highlight the incredible entrepreneurs and innovators and even opportunities here in the area, you're, you're really at the forefront of this huge future industry with 5G. Do you see others here locally in, in Southern California who are part of this 5G ecosystem or are, you know, any thoughts on how we, we better develop that here? As far as the startups go, I'm not too familiar with too many startups mm-hmm. in general, especially in what we're doing that involves uh, hardware as well as system, etc. So uh, I'm not sure how many or if there are many in, in Orange County, but generally speaking, um, you know, uh, I think Orange County and um, further even California. Uh, they have the best wireless engineers in the world and you know i have had the opportunity to work with many of them in orange county um and globally especially when i was at broadcom um and you know it's um it's it's kind of orange county could be a epicenter especially you know early on broadcom sure. uh, was making a big impact in the industry and and uh and I think, uh, you know, when it comes to 5G, again, um, uh, I think companies like Broadcom, I think they're basically doing some ASIC, uh, there was in the news, the ASIC uh, development on the modem side for, on the baseline side for Nokia base stations. And uh, where Verizon has actually a campus here, which um, it has been helping us in a way because they do have the genome and we go there do a lot of our testing uh, yeah. of yeah. our devices with their genotes on their campus. Um, so, it, which has been really helpful. Otherwise, we had uh, we basically had to go all the way to Texas or New Jersey all the times because you okay. know it requires a lot. Of, so, I think if if companies do want to do 5G and they wanted uh, even do applications of it, um, there should be ways that basically they can find access um, because again, there is Verizon there and uh, and I'm sure there w- there could be ways that um, mm-hmm. they can get their company basically going the way. How do you feel about Orange County? At, you mentioned, you know, you don't, you're not aware of that many other startups. How do you feel like Orange County has been as a technology and, and startup community, do you feel like the, the connectivity is there or anything's, you know, you, you have a great emerging startup here. What, what would you love to see us as a community doing more proactively to try to help you? You know, my view is we, we want, we should be helping you and Novandi be as successful as possible. And that, that will be a positive for the, the entire area. And again, it's not just about Mogandi, right? It's about the culture That's and right. what we want to do Orange County. I mean, the more, I mean, if we can cultivate it so that uh, we do get more, um, again, I think there are a lot of talents and a lot of people who actually are innovative and can yes. start companies and i think uh, you know part of it is uh, you always feel like okay and, and that's your general feeling i have to be like in the silicon valley because i have a lot more access to both investors as well as companies and um but i think i think orange county now has um, has improved in that time i think actually there have been things that um have encouraged the uh, encourage that both you know in terms of in the universities out of universities uh 
Like, you know, I see, for example, Irvine University trying to encourage more students to become kind of entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. They, they also mm-hmm. have these incubators. I know when I was at Broadcom, Broadcom Foundation was there and still there, which uh, is basically Henry Samuel's foundation that mm-hmm. they have been trying to encourage, uh, you know, whether it's from UCLA, from uh, all the way, from, actually from early on, trying to encourage uh, students to be more innovative. I, I definitely think there is more that can be done. Um, and, and, you know, there's, if there are things we can do to basically encourage people not to be scared and they, they feel like they can get the support, whether it's from other networks, from sure. people who've gone through it before, or whether it's from the banks and, and somehow bringing that culture of Silicon Valley more in here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, it's interesting because I can tell you, I mean, you always wonder why uh, there are so many uh, companies coming out of Stanford, right? Sure. And I, when I when I went there a few years ago, and I go to this Starbucks sitting, which not it's not exactly on the campus, it's actually it's in the area. But mm-hmm. I go to that Starbucks, and then I I was planning to meet someone, right? And then I look around every single table there. There is a student or a young person, or not even young. I mean, every almost every one of them, somebody was either pitching their ideas sure. to someone sure. or talking yeah. about how do we start our company. And mm-hmm. it's just the culture really it's makes a culture. it different, right? Okay. And I think, you know, if, um, if uh, I know there are many people who have been entrepreneurs in the past in, that, in this area, and if, uh, if they feel like, you know, they can do more and they should do more and, I think that would be great. Uh, I think uh, Orange County has a lot of potential and a lot of talents. Yeah, for sure. I, I've said I've been here a little over 15 years, and uh, since I got here, I've said we have everything we need. It, it's right. it is largely culture, and you know, just as an example, we we need young entrepreneurs to be exposed to you to learn from you because you now doing Movandi, as you said earlier have way more perspective and experience than you did when you did your first startup. And that's that's useful. A lot of what we do within our venture studio is share. I've, I've had 10 startups. I, I That's a lot of battle scars and a lot of experiences that I want to share and hopefully help people not make all the same mistakes or uh, you know spend too much time on some of the decisions that don't require as much mm-hmm time or effort, and, and that should make them more successful. And so... Right, and you know, and the other thing is that making and realize making mistake is okay as long as you right. can actually... Yeah, because a lot of people are scared to even make it, to even go through it because they, they think they're going to make a mistake and they're going to fail. But that's, that's part right. of the process, right? That's right. That's right. For sure. For sure. So, what is it about Orange County that you most appreciate? <laughs> it's a great area. I mean, I actually... Um, I, I call it the this, best kept secret. Right, <laughs> right. I think you know it's uh, it has the benefits of being in such a nice, beautiful beaches area with, but you know, with again with a lot of talents. I mean, you have great universities all around us: UC San Diego, UCLA, UC Irvine, and uh, and. You know, again, it, it really has a lot of potential talents, uh, but at the same time, it's not as intense as uh, mm-hmm. and you know, super expensive as uh, like uh, places like Silicon Valley. So you can you can basically have 
try to enjoy life a little bit more because of the beauty of it and have access to the talent and and if you if you really want to start a company i think it's to, it's close enough to anywhere that you you know again you're not in silicon valley but you can mm-hmm. still have like an hour flight going back mm-hmm. and forth and i think it makes it very um pleasant to be here sure. very good well how do you keep yourself sharp and driving and innovative I mean, you, you know you you've had an amazingly successful career uh you know how are you how are you continuing it's easy for us i think as humans to get complacent but you're clearly not how are you keeping yourself innovative and sharp may i try to um keep myself updated with reading journals papers but uh, but more important i think uh you know keep thinking keep thinking about challenges and issues and how to solve them but uh, you know, I'm also kind of a good listener and try to learn from everyone else, whether it's from our team that we actually have built because, you know, we have great people and everyone has, uh, they're all knowledgeable and, and in, you know, when we're with the customer listening to their challenges, issues and trying to find, you know, how we address their challenges. Um, it's, uh, I, I believe that you can learn from everyone. And, and mm-hmm. I think that basically has been, uh, really helpful to me to keep myself updated and, and learn, um, going forward. Hmm. Well, Marianne, uh, final lap here at Accelerator C today. And one of the things I always ask my guests is to share some advice or a key lesson that's really just stuck with them throughout their career. So if you're, if you're thinking about uh, the many entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs in the audience, what, what piece of advice would you have for them uh, as they think about a, you know, a startup today? Well, the very first thing is that, um, again, if you really have great ideas, um, but you're, but you're, you know, you, you, you doubt yourself and you feel like, you know, I'm in fail. Please don't, uh, you know, don't, don't be scared of failure because, uh, nothing is failure. I mean, even if your first idea doesn't get anywhere, the second one, once you've learned that it's going to be, so you have to, you basically have to be more confident, um, and not be scared and, and, uh, optimistic, right? Mm-hmm. Again. Unlike mm-hmm. all the times everything's going to go well, but, uh, but you don't just quit because the first thing that you tried didn't work, right? Sure. Uh, I actually think that, uh, uh, you know, if, if you do have great ideas, you should try to think through it and come up with a very clear presentation and first convince yourself, okay, that you have to be convinced that this is an idea that not only it's a good idea, but it can, it has good market share and you can sell it like you know if you mm-hmm. if you actually can get people interested and they see the benefits of it to be whether it's people or companies buying it so you have to sure. be able to sell that to yourself and investor and investors then you then you you do some sort of small prototyping that doesn't require too much money maybe get an angel uh, mm-hmm. to put some money, build something, and then go try to raise money when you have, because then your valuation will be much, much higher than trying to go right off the bat and trying to raise money. And and I think, you know, it's actually, you know, when when VCs are not investing much, it's probably one of the, or the uh, 
market is down, it's mm-hmm. probably one of the best times to start a company because then you have more time and you don't have to rush to make things happen. Sure. Yeah, great, great advice. I mean, so much great wisdom and advice and perspective here today. Thank you so much. Um, and Marion, thank you so much for joining me on Accelerate OC, for sharing all that, your stories, your perspective, your wisdom, amazing. Thank you also for building not one, but you have two companies here and uh, being such a, a critical part of our innovation community here in the area. You're definitely doing your part to Accelerate OC. So thanks, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you very much. You've just listened to Accelerate OC. Join our live recordings every Tuesday morning at accelerateoc.com or listen, like, and share anytime from your favorite podcast spot. Let's Accelerate OC together. 